0: 62 CP Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: In other words, a meek and a gentle person, according to the Psalm, is someone who instead of sticking up for his own rights and becoming defensive and striking back at evil people, this person humbly submits to God and trusts him to work everything out. Delights in the Lord. Doesn't meditate on all the hurts.
2: Historically, the character of meekness has often been misunderstood to mean something like weakness. As such, there is a tendency to underplay the importance of meekness in the life of a disciple of Christ. However, today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will help us to see that meekness is actually a sign of incredible strength, especially the strength of our faith. Let's join him now for more of this revealing study on the Sermon on the Mount.
1: Well, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We want to continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically, we're involved in studying the Beatitudes, those very pithy, uh, very brief statements about character qualities of citizens in the kingdom of Christ, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And here's what it says, blessed are the gentle for they shall inherit the earth. Now, these words constitute the third beatitude spoken by Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. If the first two beatitudes startled our Lord's audience because they are so different from anything they had ever heard in their lives, then this third beatitude must have absolutely shocked them. Absolutely shocked them. And the reason it had to shock them was because as first century Jews... Living in Israel, what Jesus said about the gentle inheriting the earth went against the grain of their thinking. They had never heard anything like this. If the other beatitudes were slightly unorthodox, slightly unusual, then this one was completely foreign to their to the current thinking in Israel and let me explain most Jewish people living at that time longed for the arrival of god 's kingdom on earth, the kingdom that the prophets had spoken of. And they longed for it, not because they were particularly spiritually minded, because they really weren't. They longed for it because they were so weary of being dominated by Gentile powers, Gentile nations. You see, for much of their history, Israel had been oppressed by the ruling empires of the world. In Old Testament times, you had, first of all, Egypt, then you had Assyria, then Babylon, then Persia, who took over Babylon, and that was just in the Old Testament era. Then you move into the time between the close of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New Testament, we call that the intertestamental period. And you had Greece with uh, first uh, Alexander the the Great, the the Greek empire that ruled over Israel, ruled over another a lot of other nations too, but ruled over the, the Jewish nation. And now in the first century, in what we would call the New Testament era, now it was Rome, the Roman empire that was in charge. And the Jewish people were just weary. They they longed for the Messiah, their Messiah, to come to deliver them, not from their sin, at least that wasn't the perspective of most people, but they longed for deliverance from Rome's oppression, and they believed it would come by Messiah using brute force and military power. And once he defeated Rome, they anticipated that then he would establish his kingdom on earth with those who had been assertive and arrogant and, and aggressive in fighting alongside of him, fighting Rome. They thought that they would be part of the kingdom. But by this third beatitude, Jesus was telling them, that's not the way it's going to be. You, you're wrong. The people who will inherit the earth in my kingdom are not those who use military force. They don't conquer by fighting, but rather they are meek and they are gentle. And that must have blown their minds. They had never heard anything like that. And if we're honest, we have to admit that what Jesus said about the gentle inheriting the earth, it really does sound a bit odd and peculiar, even to our way of thinking. We don't have to be a Jewish audience looking for an earthly kingdom to consider that these words, let's call them outlandish sounding words. They were outlandish sounding then, and they sound outlandish to us now. Even to believers who ought to know better. And the reason they do sound so outlandish is because these uh, words go against everything we have ever been taught in our world. They also go against what we observe, what we observe and, and have experienced in our world. Our observation has generally been that the meek may go to heaven, but the aggressive and assertive people are the ones who take over the earth. As one woman, who opposed Christianity, said to the person who was witnessing to her, she said, you and I both know that the meek get ground into the earth. Or, or if you are looking for a more popular way that this was expressed in our culture, it wasn't too many years ago that baseball manager Leo DeRocher said, nice guys finish last. You see, the concept of a meek person gaining anything presents a problem to us, a real problem, because it's, it's just such an alien concept in our society and and human experience. It is successful making business. You look at them, successful money-making business. They're not run that way. They're not run by meekness. Human governments don't live by meekness. High-powered corporations aren't organized around the concept of gentleness. Our world says, if you want something, you've got to be tough. If you want something, you got to be assertive and aggressive and and go after it. You don't get anything by being meek. It's a dog-eat-dog world. See, the philosophy of our world is really the survival of the fittest and the most powerful. Those are the one ones who will take over. Those are the ones who will run things, not the meek and gentle. In fact, if the world could rewrite this beatitude, it would read something like this, Blessed are the proud, the intimidating, the dominant, for they and they alone will inherit the earth. Nobody else, everybody else gets crushed. But Jesus said that when it comes to his kingdom, that his followers are governed by a different principle. Instead of being proud and dominant, they are humble and they are servants. And though it's the proud that may rule the world now, and they do, in the future, Jesus said, it'll be the gentle who will inherit the earth. They will ultimately win, but, but not by being dominant. Now, to understand what Jesus meant by this very marvelous beatitude, we want to we dig beneath the surface. We don't want to be superficial students of the Bible. We want to ask then three important questions, and this is where we're going if you're taking notes, and we usually have in your bulletin a place where you can take notes, a page. We want to ask, first of all, the question is this, the key question. What did Jesus mean by the word gentle? If we miss it at that point, we missed everything. That is the key to understanding this. What is the concept of gentleness that Jesus was talking about and we need to explore that word. Secondly, how does gentleness apply to us today? It's one thing to understand what it what it meant back then, but but how does it impact our lives? When well, we read this, we go, so what? How does it how will this change me? How should I behave in in light of this truth? And number 3, we want to ask this question, what does it mean to inherit the earth? Specifically, what did Jesus mean by that? Because those who are meek will inherit the earth. We need to know what he's talking about. So let's begin by asking the first question that helps to unfold this beatitude. It's this. What did Jesus mean by the word gentle? He said, those who are blessed are the meek. He called the blessed ones meek. Or as my New American Standard Bible version translates this word gentle. It's the same thing, meekness, gentleness. Other English Bibles, however, have different translations for this word. For example, it can be translated and has been translated gentle spirit. It's been translated humble, mild. The uh, translator, the early English translator, John Wycliffe, translated this beatitude, blessed be mild men. But I want you to know, regardless of how this word is translated into English, we're, we're all a bit uncomfortable with any of those, those translations, because in our culture, the concept of meekness, especially in the English language, is almost always associated with weakness, right? You think of meekness, you think of weakness. And we want to be honest about this. When we hear that someone is meek, we tend to think that person is spineless. That person is, is wishy-washy. That person is timid. A real pushover. Meekness just has the ring of, of a shy and withdrawn personality. And when you say a man is is meek, it does sound in our culture a bit effeminate, or as I would say, a bit squirrely. It it just has that ring to it. To describe someone as meek in in the context of our world is, is not considered a compliment. It, it conjures up the images of a Casper Milktoast, a real a real weak individual. In fact, someone defined Casper Milktoast as a person who strains himself in squishing a grape. It's just it just has that kind of image. So I want you to know that regardless regardless of of how we associate meekness with weakness that is completely opposite of what Jesus meant. Jesus was not talking at all about weakness. Being meek, being gentle biblically, has nothing to do with meekness. It may be a part of our culture. It may have that connotation, but that's not what this means. In fact, this particular Greek word that the Holy Spirit used in this beatitude is absolutely difficult and even impossible to translate in one word. Language doesn't work like that. Language doesn't come in a neat package. When you're doing translation, if you know anything about another language, it is sometimes impossible to have one word be the equivalent in one language carried over to another language. And this is a perfect example of that. This, this word in the Greek language has a wide range of meaning. In fact, one, one scholar called this word that untranslatable word. You, you just can't translate it with one word. It's, it, just, you need more than that to convey the fullness of its meaning. So the question is, when you face something like that, how can you, how can you unravel this? How can you fi- figure out what Jesus meant by being gentle? I think one way to unravel the biblical concept of meekness is to see how was this word used in secular Greek literature? at the time that the New Testament was written. What did the literature written by Greek people in that day, how did they use this word? You want to keep in mind that Bible writers did not invent their own dictionaries. They they used the common language, the vocabulary, syntax, which is sentence structure of, of the day that they lived in to express profound theological truth. Once in a while, a Bible writer, especially in the New Testament, coins uh, a word. But that's uncommon. Most of the words they use were words that were, were used even in secular literature. And, 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 and the Koine Greek that they used it was the common Greek language. That's what Koine means. It's not classical Greek. This is common Greek. It was the Greek of the man on the street. So, so you want to see, was this word used in, in Greek literature? Because how a word was used in literature would indicate its meaning. That's how we figure out the meanings of words. You can't just pop a word up and say, oh, this is what it means. You have to see the usage of the word. And we do have a number of places in Greek literature where this word was used. So let me let me explain it to you. This word shows up in several places in literature, Greek literature, always describing someone or something that was extremely powerful but under control. Powerful but under control as opposed to to being out of control and destructive. For example, the ancient Greek people used this word to describe a powerful wild horse, a stallion that had been tamed. It was also used to describe a, a soothing medicine, medicine that was beneficial, helpful, soothing. It's also used to speak of not just a breeze but a gentle breeze or, if you will, a meek breeze. Now, all three of these objects... Have one thing in common. Though they are all strong and powerful and not timid and not weak, all three have been brought under control. You see that? All three have been brought under control. An untamed horse is a wild animal, but under control, it's a tame and domesticated animal. Medicine has the power to kill. We, we all know that. Medicine has the power to kill, but gentle, soothing medicine doesn't kill. It helps it heals, it's, it, it soothes, and it's beneficial. Wind, wind has the potential to be destructive, as in hurricanes from wind. Storms sometimes are, are equally destructive. But a gentle or a meek breeze is a very pleasant thing, especially on a warm day. So based on the ancient Greek usage of this word, what, what it tells us about the concept of meekness and gentleness is that meek people, far from being weak people, are strong individuals who have been tamed by God, if you will. They're in submission to him. They're under his control. In other words, we're no longer wild and, and unmanageable as we once were in our unsaved days. But we have been conquered. We have been tamed. We have been brought under control and in submission to the authority of our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his word. That's, in essence, what what we're talking about here. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the gentle, he meant blessed are those who are under God's control and in submission to him. They would have understood that. They would have, because meekness didn't have the same connotation of, of weakness it does today. But the concept of submission to God is not the whole picture with this word. Remember, I said it has a wide range of meaning. That's only part of it. That's a very integral part of it, but but there's more. See, the usage of this word in Greek literature is only one way of gaining insight into its meaning. We also need to dig a little further, and we need to discover if the Bible itself has anything to say about the person who is gentle. Does it describe a gentle person? And yes, it does. I want you to notice that Jesus said those who are gentle will, and he's talking about in the future, will inherit the earth. Notice that phrase, that particular phrase, inherit the earth. That's a unique Old Testament phrase. That This is not the first time that phrase shows up in the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament and particularly in Psalm 37. I'd like you to look at Psalm 37. Because in Psalm 37, it is not only mentioned, it is used in connection with meekness, which is very helpful for us to understand. Several times throughout Psalm 37, David, the author, mentions inheriting the earth, that that very phrase, inheriting the earth. And literally, and in particular, and in context, what David meant was by inheriting the earth is it's a reference to Jewish people living in the land of Israel. The earth in this context would be Israel as opposed to those who are the wicked who would be cut off from the land. And I want you to see this. For example, Psalm 37, verse 9, For evil doers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Verse 22, For those blessed by him will inherit the land. Verse 29, The righteous will inherit the land. Verse 34, Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. But most significant is verse 11. Verse 11. But the humble, and you could translate it meek, gentle, will inherit the land. Now, that's fascinating. This is really just about the exact phrase that Jesus used to form the third beatitude, the result of the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land the land. In fact, if you have a New King James version, it translates it this way, but the meek shall inherit the earth. It's essentially the same thing as what Jesus was saying. Now, what this tells us about this third beatitude, it's very helpful. What it tells us is that our Lord was echoing the same truth about meekness spoken of by David in Psalm 37. So if we want to grasp what it means to be meek and gentle, we need to understand the kind of person that is meek and gentle. What does Psalm 37 describe? What kind of a person is described in this Psalm? Well, let's look. Verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. Verses 3 through 5, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Verses 7 through 11, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Don't fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evildoing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more you'll look carefully for his place and he will not be there but the humble will inherit the land he'll delight uh, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity now according to these verses a meek man is not resentful of those who are wicked and those who who uh speak against him and do things against him he bears no grudges he doesn't dwell on how others hurt him or her. Instead, we're told that he trusts in the sovereign power of God to work it all out. He doesn't fret. He delights in the Lord. He doesn't strike back. He commits his way to the Lord. In other words, a meek and a gentle person, according to the Psalm, is someone who instead of sticking up for his own rights and becoming defensive and, and striking back at evil people, this person humbly submits to God and trusts him to work everything out, delights in the Lord, doesn't meditate on all the hurts. Now, when we put this all together, and by putting it all together, I mean the way this, this word meek was used in ancient Greek literature, as well as how it's used in descriptive sense of meekness in the Old Testament, we get a pretty good picture of what Jesus meant in this third beatitude. And here's how we put it together. He meant, blessed are those who in submission to God refuse to stand up for their own rights They refuse to stand up for their own rights. Instead, they they trust God. See, a meek person is not a weak person. He is, though, a humble person, but not, not weak. He's humble in the sense he refuses to defend himself against verbal attacks by others. He realizes he has no rights. He realizes that it's not his role to strike back. It's not his role to retaliate. He's not sharp with others doesn't get back at other people. Instead of being self-willed and asserting himself in a self-promoting way, he just yields to others. He, he puts the needs of others before his own, and that, that all is involved in, in being meek. And it's this quality that Jesus is speaking about, and he's speaking about it particularly in this third beatitude, because there is a progression of thought here. And I want to explain this to you, the, the beatitudes are not haphazardly thrown together. There is a logic, there is a sequence, there is a flow. This perfectly flows in the Christian life. Let me explain. Here's how it works. The first thing that God does in bringing us to himself, to the point of conversion, is to show us how sinful we are, we see God's holiness. We see how righteous He is. We see how perfect He is, and and the light shines upon us, and we see our sinfulness. We see that that we have not kept the Ten Commandments. We've not kept one of the commandments in our hearts, at least, and many times outwardly, too. We've completely failed to obey Him. We have not brought glory to God at all. Our lives have been about bringing glory to ourselves, and and we are deeply convicted. And we realize that we are not just uh, nice, but naughty. We are wicked. We are wicked. And therefore we come to him as spiritually destitute beggars. And that's why Jesus opened the Beatitudes by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who in their heart of hearts know that they are bankrupt. They're poor. They're beggars. They've got nothing for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They have nothing by way of righteousness. So we come to him with that, that attitude, We bow low. As I said before, the entrance to the kingdom is low. And anyone who enters the kingdom enters by by that humble, Lord, I'm, I'm nothing kind of attitude. But once we realize our true spiritual condition and we realize how sinful we are, we grieve. We grieve. We, we mourn. We're brokenhearted over our sin, not because we got caught, not because there are bad consequences, but because we understand God is a holy and loving and, and righteous God, and we are deeply grieved because we have we have smitten him. We have grieved him. We have sinned against him. We see that in every area of life, thoughts and attitudes and motives and actions and, and even sins of omission, all the things the Bible says to do, we haven't. And so we mourn. We're grief-stricken. We cry out with the Apostle Paul, O wretched man that I am. We say, I am the chief of sinners. And that's why Jesus said, following the brokenness of knowing where we have spiritually nothing to offer, he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So we come into the kingdom as bankrupt sinners, grieving lamenting over our many sins, but now, and follow this, now comes the really hard part. You thought that was hard. It's harder still. We know before God that we are lowly, miserable, rebellious creatures, right? We are totally, everyone in the kingdom knows this, we are totally unworthy and undeserving of anything but hell. We deserve hell. We are unworthy, undeserving of anything else, right? Now comes the really challenging part. We have confessed before God that we are wicked. We deserve nothing. We deserve eternal punishment. But then someone else comes along and treats us that way, treats us as if we are lowly, miserable sinners. They insult you. They criticize you. They talk down to you. They look down upon you. They regard you as the wretched man that you claim to be. And you know what? We resent it. We're upset. We want to give them a piece of our minds. How dare they say that about us? We want to assert ourselves. We want to strike back. We want to defend ourselves. And in reality, they're just telling us what we said we are before God.
2: We will have to pause our study here today because we're out of time. But I'd like to thank you for joining us today for Verse by Verse. Our featured teacher is Steve Kreloff, pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, versebyverseradio.org. Or you could give us a call at 727-239-0306. Pastor Steve has much more to tell us about what meekness is and why.